0: Let's pray together. Lord, we are all weak. We're all weak. So I pray we would see your spirit both working in the outside of our lives, but also in the inside of our heart. And if we don't see that, Lord, I just pray that, that we would know through other uh, people, through your church, through uh, God's word here, Let's open up our hearts and let us see that we don't have to be strong cuz you're much much stronger so the things that people go to from from family deals to marriage deals to peer pressure deals at school to to what am i going to do with my life to what am i going to do with my life now in the, the midlife crisis all that i pray that we would see and that also we would show how strong you are and you're always in the business of renewing us and renewing, renewing even this world. And it's all by you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thank you again, to our worship team. If you got a Bible, please turn to Romans 12. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the back. Romans 12. We are in a series that we... Simply call renew, and pray, and God gives us renewal. Why do we say renew? Because we need to be renewed, uh, all of us. Whether it's every day, whether it's a season of the year, whether it's as a church. How does renewal happen? It happens by the Holy Spirit. So we are praying, as I just prayed. Uh, the Spirit impacts us. Now that's uh, that's all true. But that can also be very much seen as, as a Sunday school answer, as a, as a cliche. So let me try to simplify that for you, break it down a little bit. I was asked this summer while I was on sabbatical, I was actually in Colorado. Uh, I was at uh, I was at Nana's house. Nana, just stick up your arm. Nana, there you go. Okay, sorry, I know. She just hates being called out, but Nana, by her other uh, daughter, her her daughter here, you would know, is Cherry Duckworth. But her other daughter asked me, and she's a, she's a preacher's wife. She said, what do you enjoy most about uh, being a pastor? And I thought about it for less than a minute. At first, I was like, well, I'm going to give it some thought. Then it's like, oh, it hit me. What I like most about being a pastor is uh, is this. Uh, and it's, I don't mean preaching; I mean Sunday morning worship. Like the whole, the whole shebang, the whole, the whole day. And... And now, some of y'all be be like, you know, well, I'm here at this church, and maybe I don't even like this. This would not be my biggest or best experience. I don't know. I mean, I hope it's up there. But I said, it's for a couple reasons. One, there are always different people here. And I mean different people, I mean like members who are different than me that I can interact with. Uh, There's always, and I love art, okay, and I always think of that work of art, okay, which is a work of art, which I love. Uh, Also, the works of art in people's stories, where you just heard one, and music, uh, and the gift of sound as a medium, even though I can't sing and don't, no notes or anything like that. I I love seeing that. Uh, I love God's Word. I love thinking about it over the course of the week. Uh, I love doing my humble best to try to present it and try to teach the Bible I love the community, I, I just love the, the feeling, I even love the feeling, of the, like the meet and greet, just everything. I just like, I like before the service, I like after the service. So I love uh, this time. I want you to love this time too, and see it, I always say this, you know, see it more than like programs, or even order of service, or road, or, but like a Holy Spirit uh, experience. So that is what I said, you know, that's what, that's what I like most, that's what honestly fires me up. So go back to you and to be renewed, and I'll even take Sunday morning worship out of the equation, but just to ask you this question, you individually, like, what excites you? Uh, Or better says, as it is said, you know, what fires you up in life? What motivates you? What fires you up? Okay? Now, doing what I do, the reason I do it is this does fire me up, this, like, The worship, the the deal, okay? And I understand, like, that may not be the the biggest thing that excites you. But think about, in, in in the context of renewal, what excites you in life? What fires you up in life? And I think if you know the answer to that, that is also God trying to reveal to you how he's gifted you, what your passion is. And I do believe this regardless of what it is every every human being in this room and every human being in the entire world okay what renews them is being part of a team or a group or a body or people nobody likes to be alone I want to be part of something whether you call it a sports team whether we call it a friend group or a supper club or a fraternity or a sorority or you know, what, everybody has to be part of something, a network, okay? You want to be connected. But it's not just the connection. Like, that'll do it for a little while. But you also have to have a purpose. And you have to find an individual purpose. So that's why, I mean, one of the reasons I love sports and teams. You know, the wide receiver has a specific purpose, and he's using his gifts, you know, to be part of the team and the quarterback or, you know, another sport. I mean, that's... That fires people up. I mean, you could argue it's like a Holy Spirit experience. I mean, you feel feel lifted. So I want you to think about that. Like, what what excites you? What, What fires you up? And, I mean, maybe thinking about, we always say the church is God's plan A, there's no plan B. Maybe part of the reasoning behind all that is we don't need or even like to be alone and we want to discover, all of us individually, how God has gifted us. I mean, all of you, you youth, you, you know, young adults here, you want know, to say, well, you know, what's my purpose? What am, I, what am I good at? What can I do? I mean, that's, that's intrinsic to how God's made us, and using that. So if you're like, man, I'm, I'm in my sweet spot. I'm doing what God made me do, and I'm connected with others, and that's, that's renewing. And That's what I want for you here, outside of here, but that's what the church is to be. I say all that because we're hitting on spiritual gifts, and it's, it's very much tied to being renewed, being fired up, being excited. Like, just you know, I feel alive. I feel like I'm doing what God made me to do. Just like Linda Honey's testimony. She said, well, actually, I didn't read this part, but her gift was teaching. And, you know, she's using that gift, and that excites her. So let's read Romans 12, and we're, we're going to come back to this theme of gifting and being who God made you to be. Romans 12. We're going to focus on verse 6 through 8 today, but I'm going to start verse 1, read verse 1 through 8. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. I'll stop there. I'll come back to it. We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. If you're a Christian, you all have at least one. Paul lists seven here. If you're not a Christian, God has gifted you. Going all the way back to Genesis, you are made in His image. You have gifts. You become a Christian, I believe those gifts are like supernaturally charged for even greater use. And I even think that you could get a new gift That you might not have had before you were Christian, okay? And I've talked about this, talked about it last week. But I believe we should use our gifts, and this passage talks about it, with great humility. Humility. I mean, who here likes a stud, horse, athlete, rock star, you know, who is like really, really cocky? I see a show of hands of that? Some do (laughs) little woods, okay, sorry. I figure somebody does. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Who loves like, a, you know, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Who likes, you know, a stud athlete who is, is very humble? I do. Okay. I do. All of you are gifted, have spiritual gifts. So I'm focused on Christians right now. We're called to use those gifts. We're called to use them with much humility. You're like, why do you say that? Well, earlier in the passage, and we talked a couple weeks ago, because we've been going through Romans 12. We talked about humility. Paul mentions that. But even more so, I, I love this passage because, well, many reasons. But I love verse 1, because he just starts off, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God. That, that is the starting point. That should be the starting point of our Christian life. That should be the starting point of how we use our gifts. In view, it's seeing... The mercies of God. So, let me rewind, go back a little bit. What are the mercies of God? Because if you don't know the mercies of God, then you're probably maybe not using your gift the right way. You're probably not doing so in humility. What are the mercies of God? Because he's in view of the mercies of God. And then he he goes through all this. He goes about the mind. He goes about the church body. He goes about your individual gifts. But he starts off the mercies of God. So what's the mercy of God? I saw, a, I saw a tweet last night uh, as Hunter and I were talking. I was back on Twitter, did a, did a slew of tweets last night. But uh, not that I want you to read them or anything like that. I was just saying I was looking around it. And I saw this tweet about, I don't know who it was from. But it was like, to fully understand John 3.16, and we all know John 3.16. It said, think about uh, Lord of the Rings. And some of us know Lord of the Rings. But think about Mordor, which Mordor was like the hellhole in Lord of the Rings, the, the evil place where uh, Sauron, who's like the devil, lived. And so to really understand, to really get John 3.16, just substitute Mordor for the world. Now, that really connected to me, but, and if you know Lord of the Rings, uh, it might connect with you, but basically... For God so loved Mordor. And again, if you've seen the movies, it's like this dark, dank, black, you know, hell hole, you know, with like ashes and fire, you know. And it's like, wow, it's for God so loved Mordor uh, that he sent his only son. Uh, and everyone who believes in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. Sent his son into, into this, this world. So that's part of the mercies of God. In our, in this world, God sent Jesus. Now, again, Sunday school answer, cliche, so let's think about it another way. If I were, and I heard John Piper say this, so this is not my original idea, but I I liked it. So John Piper's a guy some of you know. He said, what if you were a Christian and you were over in the Middle East, or actually now, maybe, I mean, I guess Europe, uh, or or North Africa, Libya, and you were captured by ISIS, okay, captured by ISIS, you're caught, and you're, there's no, probably no escape, and you're you're looking at the possibility that they are going to behead you. What do you do? Do do you do you bow up, and you know it, whether it's in the and some of us might you know whether it's in the cell or wherever it's like you know blah blah blah, blah you know you know expletive 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 you know you know you know, some some people might you do that. Or are you so, like, rocked by, like, fear and rocked by, like, this could be the end and this, you know, I've done nothing wrong, God, I've just been a Christian, you know, and, and, and you're there and you got your hands tied and, and probably on your knees and uh, do you beg for mercy? Do you beg for mercy? Now, that, that sounds like it's not too uh, strong if we imagine it. I'd probably beg for mercy. It says, in view of the mercies of God. So why would I beg for mercy you know, if I haven't done anything wrong? Well, I'm hoping that they would grant mercy uh, and let me go. Uh, or maybe just put a bullet in my head and I don't have to go through the pain of uh, the executions that, you know, that we've heard about. But I'd say, you know, please give me Mercy, give me mercy. But knowing full well in my conscience and I've I've done nothing wrong. Uh, I've lived a Christian life. Maybe, you know, maybe I was maybe you're pastoring a church in Libya or something, and that, that happens. Or I've just I've lived as a Christian life. I've done nothing. I've, I've tried to follow you, God. I've honored you, but I still ask you, just be merciful and pray that. And if you don't, then I pray that you will know the mercies of God. Something like that. Okay, so we might do that. Now, imagine this, and it's something... Even though that seems like a great, um, a great challenge, a great moment, an even greater moment would be to stand before the Creator of all and the Judge of all, God Almighty, which we all will, by the way, and we all give an account. But if we're Christians, you know, we believe we've been judged on the cross and saved, and we've already been given mercy... So what I'm trying to ask you to do is if you're standing before God, do you even know your guilt because we're all guilty and that God has already given mercy? Do you know that? Do you know that we would be guilty? Where the other situation, we're not guilty, but here with God, we're like, I'm guilty. He's like, what, am, what are you talking about? What, are you, what am I what guilty of? Guilty of building your own kingdom. I mean, I'm guilty of building my own kingdom. Uh, Day after day, I mean, I fall back into it all the time. I'm really here, I'm really, God, I I like the idea of you on the throne, but really, that's a pretty nice seat. I think I'll take it, okay? And so, that is our our sin, that's our guilt, and yet he showed mercy. Uh, Better, much better said than me is Scripture. Let me read a passage, if you want to turn to it, Romans 3. And by the way, that's Christianity, that we're guilty and God has given mercy. Romans 3, I want to read verse 21 through 26. And as I read it, I may paraphrase a little bit. This is the mercy of God. This is what I pray the Spirit convicts us of over and over again, renews us with. Verse 21, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. So it's saying you you can't fully ever do right, but God's righteousness is shown in the law, in the Old Testament, in the prophets. The righteousness of God is through faith, not what we do, who we believe in, in Jesus Christ, to all who believe, since there is no distinction. You know, that former ISIS member who is now a brother in Christ, there's no distinction between him or her, I might add, than the very diligent, Bible study leader, always going on mission trips, teaching at Span, everything. No distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are, when it says justified here, they are saved. They are rescued freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God gave him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood He shed his blood for you, for for us. We receive him through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because, look at this, in his restraint, in his restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. So when I'm rescued, using me, the moment I was rescued, all those previous sins were erased God presented Jesus to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so that He would be righteous and declare righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. That's why we say, like, you know, when you do, we always think of doing all the bad stuff and, oh, I'm a Christian, but I've done all this bad stuff. When God sees you, He sees Jesus. He sees Jesus on the cross. It's a free gift. It continues to be free grace and free mercy over and over again. And it happens through faith in this. And you also have to have faith to say, I was a sinner. I did not deserve mercy. I got mercy. And it's just, it's just a gift. It's just mercy. It's just... And it's great. So, let's talk about you. Talk about you or talk about us or you as an individual. This... If this is the gospel, let me put up two verses real quick. This, this shortens it a little bit. Romans 5.1, put it up there. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So believing in Jesus gives us peace where God could, God should cast us into hell. That's mercy. Another one, Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. This is an important verse for those who, you know, they lived a certain way and, like, guilty in their sin, and, man, they've lived a hedonistic lifestyle, or they've been, they've been greedy, and they've cheated folks, or they've cheated on their marriage, or they're just, like, all in for them. They're like, man, it's just, no, God doesn't condemn you in faith in Christ. So that's mercy. Now, there's a, there's a, a movie, that, one of my favorite movies, Great movie, Untouchables. It's an old movie, I guess. Doesn't seem old to me, but I'm old. So, anybody seen Untouchables. Who's seen Untouchables? A few folks. Classic, gangster, Al Capone, Chicago. And Sean Connery's in it. And he's mentoring Elliot Ness, played by Kevin Coster, And there's a scene, well, several scenes, where he asks him, it's like, okay, it's like, you know the truth now. Now, what are you going to do about it? He says that over and over. What are you going to do about it? You found this out about, you know, Someone said, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And that's the question that I would pose to all of us. Uh, If you know this truth, what are you going to do about it? If you know it. If you know the truth, what are you going to do about it? Now, some of you out there and said, well, honestly, and I'd never maybe say this in a church in the Bible Belt South, but honestly, I really don't know it. I really don't. I mean, I know the stories And I know what to say to look right, but I really don't believe that. I mean, I really, I'm really not guilty, or I'm really not. I stand before God. I'm really good person. That's the way I used to think. And so, for those of you who are here who believe that, and there are some, there may be many. I totally, totally understand completely because that's that's how I lived. A lot, a big bulk of my life. Like I, I can say it. I mean, memorize some verses, but I don't. I'm not guilty. I mean, I'm trying to have a good life, trying to lead a good life. And so, for those of you, then, you know, I do. I really, really understand. I was talking to a youth parent this uh, this week, and I just think about man, all the pressures for our kids. Forgive me, you know, you nearly grown-ups. But, you know, whether you're 11th grader, 12th grader, 10th grader, uh, in college, man, I just, the pressures of, of the world to be a certain way, look a certain way, you know, look fun or look cool or be part of the right crowd or, you know, all the, man, it is tough. And then if you're even wrestling with this stuff, the stuff I just said about the mercy of God I mean, you could see that if you're, and honestly, this youth parent said his kid did. You can see that as like heresy. Okay? I mean, like, man, I'm, I'm good, and I'm just trying to do my best. And, you know, you're you know. I understand. That was me. I get that. Every Saturday night uh, before Sunday morning, every Saturday night, y'all probably think I'm like, preparing to preach or something, which I am, but as I'm doing that, the TV's on, and yes, they're football games, but every Saturday night, i watch Saturday Night Live, every Saturday Night Live, and I do that for a couple reasons, Uh, one is I'm indulging myself, because I really wish I was on it, okay, and uh, not that you couldn't make it, I know, I mean, but I can dream, you know, I mean, I do, every Saturday, I'd love to be on that show, love to be doing that, love to live that life, man, wouldn't it be so cool, like, be a Stand-up actor in New York and, like, all those artists and, you know, just being around there. Or then I, I'd say, like, well, I, I don't even have to be on it. What, I, I'd love to just go to it every week and be living in New York and, like, staying up late. And, you know, it's over. I, I think about this. It's over there at, like, 1 a.m. And then the party starts. And so I'm indulging. Like, yeah, I want to I live that life. <laughs> that was, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. We need you here more. Anyway, so, but I also watch it, this is the primary, I watch it to see, I want to see the competition, because that's what I'm competing against, it's tough, it's an uphill battle with our kids, with young folks, with cool folks, with, I I mean, I know the deal, I mean, honestly, I have lived that, I haven't lived in New York, but I've lived that lifestyle, so I know, so I'm just, I, I watch it to be reminded of the competition, what I'm up against, what we're up against. And so I say that, if you're here and you're like, well, I don't really know. I understand, I get it. And I'm I'm not expecting a silver bullet, although I know the Holy Spirit can work in a silver bullet fashion, but I'm just saying, I'm here to help. I'm here to walk with you. I empathize. Now, for those of you who are like, I do get it. I do really believe that. Then I would say to you, what are you going to do about it? And that takes us to Paul talking about spiritual gifts. So real quick, I remain in time. We're going to put verse 6 through 8 of Romans 12 back on the screen, okay? Because he's talking about spiritual gifts. For those of you who are like, man, I get the mercies of God. I may not, like, you know, I may not be perfect, but I get it, I get it. So what are we going to do about it? So Paul's talking about spiritual gifts, and he lists them out here. Verse 6, according to the grace given to us, there's that mercy again, We have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching and teaching, if exhorting in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. So he mentions seven gifts there. We talked a lot about prophecy last week, and I'm not doing a gift a week, so I'm going to run through six real quick. And you have these gifts. And I actually, I was thinking about it last night while staring Night Live was on. I was thinking that you could, you could actually be using all six of these gifts, but really your sweet spot would be one of them. So service, for example. Like these are people who just, man, I just, I just want to serve. I mean, I just I feel great serving and, and giving and uh, pouring Kool-Aid or pouring water or making coffee or you know, just showing up at Span. I mean, it's a servant's gift. We all should be servants. Jesus was a servant. Some people just have that drive to serve. I always tell them, and I've told some of you here, it's like, Man, that servant's gift, it's easy to burn out. you got to put a cap on it sometimes. Teaching. You're like, how do I know if I have a teaching gift? Well, I'd say two things. You like to read, and you like to talk, okay? So you got to have both. You're like, why don't you say read? Well, to teach, you've got to absorb something, and process it and then try to, well, in this case of the spiritual gift, try to communicate it to a way that somebody else would would receive it or understand a little bit better. So you gotta read but you also gotta like, like to talk. I mean if you just you know are on your own, well that's that's good for you, but you gotta like to talk. You gotta like to talk to people. People teach, you know, one of the uh, one of the requirements for elders, actually the distinction from to be an elder or a deacon in the Bible is elders are able to teach. Uh, that doesn't mean like Sunday morning, or a, a group. Although that's that's wonderful, but like, can you talk one to one and communicate the gospel? Can you teach it in a in a setting of three other of men in a small men's group? Can you can you communicate? Can you teach it? Can you walk with someone along? So you gotta lo- love to read. You do. I mean, you gotta love to read the Bible and to talk. Exhorting. I love exhorting. Actually. A lot of my, I, in, often your teaching and exhorting is combined because exhorting is challenging people, but it's encouraging. It's just exhorting. It's like, what is exhorting? It's just saying, man, come on. Now that's a dramatic use, but you say, come on, man. Come on, you can do this. That's just exhorting. You can. God's gifted you. You can do this. That's exhorting. It's just encouraging, building up, loving. It's, I think of it as like coaching. Oh, man, you can't. That's the exhortation gift. Many of you have it. I've seen it. Giving. We automatically think about giving, you know, in the plate or the tithe, which that is a part of it. I mean, I've said this. I mean, it says in the Old Testament, it's a gift to make money. Some of us are like, man, I wish I had that gift, okay? I mean, not everybody has that gift. It is a God-given gift to understand uh, money and figures and and. Be wise in it, and it is. So that's part of it, but also giving of your time. Our greatest resource is our time. Do we give of our time to people? Do we give of our gifts and our talents? Because it says be generous there. Leading. Uh, leading, I think, is a specific gift. Uh, some are called to lead. Like, well, what's that? Well, you've got to be able to organize, um, you've got to be able to exhort to, connect people together. I actually read two articles last night. I was doing a lot last night. But on leadership, uh, one was one was leadership from Bruce Springsteen. It was a great article. I tweeted that too. And then the other one was an article about too much charisma. You know, we think about the leader, leader charisma. Too much charisma really hurts your leadership. It's just interesting. I was just reading through it. It wasn't a Christian article, but it's a gift. And then last mercy. And I love how he ends with mercy because we started with in view of the mercies of God, can you give mercy? Some people have a very strong gift to be able to give mercy. You're like, what are you talking about? They can easily forgive. They can easily forgive that person who has stabbed them in the back. Anybody got that gift here? Okay, we should talk. All the, all the ladies at Span. To forget. The mercy gift, I think, is connected to be able to forget. So all these are gifts that you have, and now you're like, okay, so what am I going to do about it? That's where the church comes in. That's where we come in, Okay. As a church, I'm talking here, Christians who feel called to bellwether, us. Because I do believe a big part of the church is to help you find and use your gifts. So for us as a church, you know, our mission, you know, for, forever really, we've had raising leaders, which we still do. Now we say raising leaders who see love go. Our three values, see, love, go. And I I think that's a great mission, a great mission statement. That's the heart of our church, raising leaders. Like, what's the mission of the church? Where are we going? Raising leaders who see, love, go. Like, where's this church going? How's it different? Raising leaders who see, love, go. Let me break down quickly, see, love, go. See, because there's a, we've had raising leaders for years and years Been part of this church. But anybody, I mean, I just talked to Bruce Springsteen article lead. And, you know, there's tons of leadership stuff. Kind of have to define what type of leader you're forming here. So I call it see love go. Now, see to see a big God. See a big God. That means seeing God working through everything. This week, a few examples of that just from my life, okay? I saw a big God just over and over again. Funeral we had here, seeing God work through our people, other people to comfort, to care. Same day we had a a funeral to celebrate a life, go down to the hospital. There was a new birth in our church family. Seeing just the the totality of life, from death to birth. Talking to a family about being led to possibly adopt somewhere. Seeing a big God in that. I was over at school one one day, and I got to tell this story real quick. It was at J.A., Talking about seeing a big God at chapel. And after chapel, a eighth grader, I think, maybe seventh grader, but he comes up to me and he says, Get this, after chapel. And he says, So, you know, I'm a Christian and everything. And so, how can Jesus be fully God and fully man at the same time? Okay. It's kind of a deep question, right? Like, <laughs> man, I don't. I mean, that's like something we've. Tried to understand forever. So I talked to him a little bit. And that's, seeing a big, but God, is not about him asking, okay? Stay with me. I mean, I'm glad he asked. We talked. I led him to Philippians 2, which, by the way, if you want to kind of understand that, Philippians 2 is a great place to start. But then, Friday night, I was at a football game. And so I was talking to this lady and her family, who the family goes to the school, and she was asking me, you know, church, chaplain, everything. And then she said, well, I, you know, I, I have this, we've, we've taken this child in. His, uh, his, my brother was his dad. He died, and so we haven't adopted him, but we're his guardians right now. So that was that kid's mom. And, like, we didn't know about it until later in the conversation. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, wait. She's like, you're the chaplain? And? He came up to you and was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had this great conversation. So, I mean, I'd already been talking to her and just, I mean, I believe that it's just God working. And I think that's just a small example, you know, of what he, what he does over and over again. Had a encouraging call from a pastor in South Haven uh, this week. Seeing a big God. Had, had so many folks uh, encourage uh, me personally this week, say things like, hey, man, I'm, I'm for you. I'm th- I know that's about me, but, you know, I'm for you, I'm with you. Seeing a big God, seeing how God works. It's raising leaders who see God in, in all things. Love. See love go. Love the other person. The other person is somebody different, different from you. I've said that. Listen to this quick story about me being the other person. There was a guy, I was talking at a panel at Mississippi, uh, Mission, Mississippi this week. And so it was a black guy, black pastor, and we were talking about our relationship. And so he gets up and he says, You know what? He said, we haven't always been friends. We haven't always had a relationship. Had a relationship now. We're friends five, six years. But he said, I used to see this guy talking about me. And he's like, man, you know, that white dude. And, like, you know, he tries to be trendy with his tight pants. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he plan. I mean, yeah. He's talking to a big group here, okay? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I mean, he playing church, you know, real hard, you know, in, like, nice area Jackson or the nice area, you know, like, you know, go ahead, do your thing in yuppieville. That's what, he said, what he said, okay? Okay? Black guy. And, you know, looking cool is easy and all this. He said, I had deep resentment towards him. And, you know, that he was just stating the truth. So I was at that point the other person. You see what I'm saying in his life? Like he had to work on just having a friendship with me. You know, can we do that with people who are different? And finally, go. We say go to the world. And, and we do that, we can always do it more. And we talk about span, and that's great, but I'm also talking about going to your world just at a party. You know, can, think about the mercies of God at a party. Be an example, you know, at, you know, in, in the good times or in, in fellowship or, you know, in, in those parties that are very challenging here. Uh, and then there are also the world, India, Honduras, Italy, we talk about that. Raising leaders who see, love, go. So my last question is the same question again. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And if you're still like, ah, you know, I don't know, then man, I would say it's okay. And I would say I love you. And I'd say, man, I'd love to walk with you because I've been there. And I don't expect everybody to be like, yeah, I just get it. No, it's okay. To have those questions. I see a big God a lot more than seeing a big me. And then if you are like, man, I do get it, and I say, what are you going to do about it? And for me, and I'm talking to Bellwether members here, so me being selfish, and I'm, not often, I'm actually not often selfish uh, in the pulpit. Linda can tell you I'm very selfish at home, but I'm not going to selfish for a minute. This, uh, this, I mean, this is my bias. This is my preference. I mean, we're all for the kingdom. But if you're like, man, I get it, and I'm like here, I'm called here, then, then go all in. You know, I was watching, I watched a lot of TV last night, the Clemson uh, Vitek game, and as they were walking in Clemson, they put in their all-in ship in the bucket. And see, that, that fires me up, that excites me, like part of a team. That's what I want to do. And so sometimes I question guys, like, man, why do I have to go into this, this slog of, like, pastoring a church, quite frankly? And why couldn't I just, like, be part, you know, be in sports world or something like that? But this is my post. This is my post. Think from a military standpoint. God has posted me here. So I am selfishly, biasly asking you to say, I get that. And by the way, I'm here. Then why aren't you all in? And a lot of you are. But selfishly, again, I want all of you in. So an exhortation gift there, example, or my efforts at that, all in. Like, what's all in? Coming, inviting people to come, uh, Giving. You just throw that out there. You know, some of, I know how the Christian world works down here. It's like, oh, is there a financial problem? No. But I do think, I mean, I th- I'm biased, selfish again. I mean, I think Christians who call the church just start giving. And if you can give, I think a minimum 10%. There you go. You know, crucify me on that if you want to. Pastor's have I'm just saying that. You wouldn't hear. Be part of the body, loving on the body. I mean, a lot of you, a lot of you do. And I'm, this is just everybody. Uh, I want to help walk with you to discover your gifts, to not just be here, but be out there too, at the parties, at the schools, uh, at the dinners, at the work environments, uh, at the games, uh, at the college games you go, in the world, in mission, all that. Uh, Serve, give, love, help discover the gifts. But I want to always go back. So that was my selfish, you know, Thing. And that's not what's most important at all. So that was just me. I don't say that as much. But always end up, the why is that Romans 5 one, is that Romans 8 one. The why is, is the mercies of God. That's how we do it. It's not to be a church or be a good church or be a big church. or. It's seeing the mercies of God. Knowing, like, I deserve this, but God gave me this. Why I do the slog? Because so I remind and remember every day. To be really renewed, you've got to remember that what I deserved and what I've been given. So I pray for that in view of the mercies of God. And if you, if you get that, I, do, I, I think it totally changes you. And you have to remember it, but you're renewed day by day. Let's pray. God, I pray for this church family. I pray you would convict us to ask us what will we do. And I pray we first and foremost see the mercies of God. I pray this church family would be all in. I pray for those here who say, I don't really know. And I pray that we would say, it's okay. Because I say it's okay. But I also say, I don't want you to stay there. But I'll walk with you slowly. And I pray for this world and this community. I pray that we can be a light. Because that's, we want to be your church. We want to be a light to this community more and more. And so thank you for the drive. Thank you for the drive that you've given me. Uh, for myself, for my family, for this church family to want to do more, to be more, to grow more, uh, to see more, and to see you more. Never let that die, wherever I am. And I pray that this, this church family would want that too, for you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.